Welcome to the Rabbit Rundown. As always, my name is Jacob Von Bergen, and I am joined here with my good friend and former men's manager, Cody Reed. Cody, how's it going? Going great. You know, we had a good kind of, uh, you know, weekend of basketball. Not as much action as usual with, you know, both the men's and women's teams only playing one game. But, you know, it's uh, going good. We're kind of in the dog days of the Summit League Summit League schedule. Um, you know, we're kind of right in the thick of things, and it's exciting stuff to see how things are starting to unfold. Oh, for sure. And kind of like you said, we've kind of had a couple slow weeks now with only one game um, with the cancellation of COVID last week. Uh, and then this week only against USD uh, for both men's and women's. It's not a whole lot to talk about, but we got, you know, obviously some uh, interesting things to touch on here. Um, but I guess we'll start out right away here, diving into the rivalry matchup. Uh, we'll start with the men's game. Uh, STSU and USD obviously played on Saturday. STSU men. 184 to 65, led by Zeke Mayo with 21 points on seven of 10 shooting. Cody, you were there. Um, get, kind of give me an idea what what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. Kind of break it down. What kind of your thoughts on the game? Yeah, first off, uh, the first half of this game was uh, kind of a weird up and down um, roller coaster of a half. Uh, it was you know three very distinct phases of the first half. Almost you know the Jacks get out to almost an immediate like 9-0 or 11-0 lead Had a couple steals Baylor had a breakaway dunk you know they, they were hitting all their shots and then you know they kept it kept it going like that for a little bit but then all of a sudden you looked up and USD was back in the game it was like 25-22 or you know they had pulled almost even and then SDSU goes on a big run to close it out and I think ends up you know up what was it uh, 19 points at the half you know, so it, it was really a weird first half a little bit. And obviously USD had a lot going on with COVID and not being able to practice very much, had some players out. Um, so kind of a weird situation for them. But, you know, all in all, SDSU um, continues to look good in this Summit League slate and, you know, really overmatched USD, um, you know, outside of a few few minutes there in that first half. Oh, for sure. And obviously a lot of positive things to take away here. Um, obviously Baylor going eight of eight from the field, three of three from three, uh, 19 points is huge. Uh, Zeke going seven of 10 for 21 points, uh, five of six from three. But I think, you know, even off the bench, you look at a guy like Dentlinger who had nine points on four, four shooting uh, really got, you know, probably some more minutes than they planned initially because uh, Luke and Doug obviously got into foul trouble in the first half. So Matt Canna came in early and kind of helped right the ship. Obviously, he left the game with two total fouls, but, you know, nine points off the bench for him, nine, uh, 13 points off the bench for Apple. So, uh, you know, we've been seeing, you know, kind of consistently throughout the year, the posts doing really well offensively. I guess a team like USD who has a good post like Camoteros, Um obviously a positive sign there because he's a bigger, stronger kind of guy. So different than what we've really seen down low. Um in the past, but between those three, obviously great performances, uh, scoring from the guards. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of positives to take away. Like you said, though, USD coming off a weird situation with COVID. Um, um, so it's kind of hard to like read what they had coming. You know, Fuller is out with an injury. Uh, Todd Lee uh, said he has a knee injury, probably not looking at an early return for him. But um, it's a game you have to win, obviously, if you're SDSU. They took care of business at home like you're supposed to do. And, um, you know, when you're a good team or you want to be a great team, you have to kind of blow these games open and win. And that's what they did. So 
Um, really not a lot to harp on uh, other than maybe they let their foot off the gas a little bit there and let USD creep back in within three. Uh, but like you said, they pulled away there at the end of the half and uh, never really looked back. So really not a whole lot to, um, you know, like I said, to look at negatively, but it was a solid game all around for them. Yeah, and uh, I think if we look at Zeke in specifically, um, I'm not going to say this is a breakout game, but this is, you know, the second, third, maybe even fourth game in a row. We've really seen him step up in the scoring department. And I think he's just really playing some very consistent basketball since he's entered the starting lineup for the Jacks. And that's something they needed, you know, um, with Noah not really playing right now, they needed that, you know, consistent night in, night out scoring presence. And Zeke's showing, um, you know, he's able to do that. And he's playing, you know, with so much savvy for just a true freshman. Uh, it's exciting to see, you know, where he could end up as a Jackrabbit, um, you know, with how well he's playing right now. So I think that's one thing I definitely noticed is just his con continued consistency scoring the basketball. Uh, you know, he's confident. His teammates are looking for him. And then uh, two other notes just on the game in general. You know, it's a big rivalry game. I thought the officiating for this game, both sides of the ball was really weird, really bad. Um they seemed to call so many fouls that really had no impact on the play at all. And it kind of took away from the rhythm and flow of the game, which in a rivalry game, it also kind of took the crowd out of it a little bit, you know, even though it wasn't super close most of the night, um, it was just a really good weird or weird game to observe from the reference standpoint. And then the other thing I noticed about the rivalry is I'm glad that we no longer have the mandatory orange socks and warmups. Uh, that was part of the South Dakota uh, you know, corn showdown series. It was for a good cause, but uh, just a really ugly color that they used to have to wear. And I'm glad it's just the the traditional team colors we get to see battling it out now. No, for sure. Yeah, they, they definitely saw the sponsorship, but I, I am like you. I am glad they don't have to wear the orange warm-up T-shirts and orange socks and all that stuff. It, it always seemed kind of tacky and weird to kind of throw it on when you know, you're wearing blue and yellow and red and white. So, I'm glad they got rid of that. Like you said, I did notice that on the bench. Um, I do want to go back to your Zeke talk there for a little bit. Um, you know, we really saw, I think, the breakout game for him was that Washington State game. He scored 17 off the bench. Um, I think that's kind of, you know, we've seen since then a consistent uh, outburst from him offensively. But his three probably most consistent games in a row have been now in the Summit League action as a starter. So he's definitely finding his role, uh, definitely getting more comfortable with the lineup, with the guys he's playing with. Um, I just like that he's able to handle the minutes as well because, you know, he's coming in probably playing, you know, 20-ish minutes to start, and now he's getting, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. Uh, you know, his first start, he got all 40. Um, so he's obviously, you know, a big defender for him, but he's putting in big minutes, and I think that's, you know, important now, and it'll be interesting to see how that holds up throughout the whole season because, you know, as a freshman being in his first year, it's going to really test the, obviously, the um, – uh, the conditioning and the strength that he's built up in the offseason. So I'm interested to see how that kind of goes moving forward here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch, you know, throughout the rest of the season. Um, just because, you know, it's his first full, you know, Summit League college basketball slate, and that's different than the high school game. So mm -hmm. something to watch for sure. And I think another thing is Mims off the bench. His minutes have definitely increased, and I think he's taking advantage of those minutes. He's playing um, probably with some of the most confidence I've seen him play with, you know, over the time he's been in Brookings. And I think he's really embraced the mm -hmm. defensive role of just kind of being a pest. And he's, um, 
really taking that, you know, the lead guard for the other team and defending them at times and just getting in their grill, guarding them full court. And that's something that that can't be overlooked because, you know, that does as much as it's kind of just an annoying thing. A lot of people look at, um, you know, when you're playing against that type of defense, it does take something out of you because you always got to be on alert. You always got to be ready, you know, looking on over your shoulder at an inbound uh, for 90 feet from the basket. And so, uh, you know, good, good on Matt for, for kind of taking over that role. He kind of reminds me of Brandon key a little bit when he used to come in and be that, you know, same kind of defensive pass that, helped energize the team off the bench. No, for sure. Um, obviously, yeah, like you said, playing a big role. And I do think that confidence is definitely notice, noticeable uh, the way he's been shooting the three ball specifically. Um, but, you know, with that being said, we can kind of move into this week's matchups. Kind of a weird schedule for the men. Um, unique with how they're playing the home and, home and away games. Uh, originally, it was supposed to be a home and home matchup for them uh, with Omaha and Denver. To start now, it's going to be a road matchup against Omaha on Thursday and a uh, home game against Denver on Saturday. Due to Omaha's hockey schedule, they had to reschedule the second matchup to make it this way. Um, but I guess, Cody, you know, looking at the two matchups, obviously neither team um, was having the best year. But they, are, I think they are kind of getting to that point where they are maybe exceeding expectations. Uh, Denver's 2-3, and three, Omaha's 2-4. and four. Uh, we've heard a lot from Hendo this week about how Omaha's showing so much improvement. I know Denver has some good freshmen this year that kind of have been surprising to people, I think, with their abilities. So I guess what are you kind of looking for in this kind of, like I said, weird home and away matchup? Yeah, so they start off um, with Omaha, and that's the home game or the away game, right? Omaha's the away game and Denver's the home game. Okay, so, you know, they have to go down – to Omaha, which traditionally, you know, SDSU has had some really close battles um, down in Omaha. They've had some heartbreaking losses. Um, and Omaha has generally played them pretty tough there. I know it's kind of one of the more fun environments that you don't necessarily think of, um, at least when I was, you know, with the team. Uh, Omaha's crowd usually came out pretty good. There's also a lot of Jacks fans that get to come out. So I, I do think, um, you know, it's not a team – you can overlook just because they do seem to always get up for this matchup, especially when they're down in Omaha. And like you said, they have been uh, showing improvement throughout the Summit League slate. They just played NDSU um, last Saturday, and that was a four ended up being a four point game. And that, you know, I think they were at home for that one as well. So they're improving. I still think they're a bottom tier Summit League team, but, um, you know, not a team you can overlook, especially in this matchup. No, for sure. And, you know, Omaha, they're kind of playing that faster-paced game right now. Um, they've shown they can, you know, put some outbursts out there with 98 points against UND. Um, they've also had some, you know, obviously really bad games. They've lost this to UMKC where they only scored 61 against Oral Roberts, who's not a defensive team, only 62. So, yeah, it's a weird team to get a read on. Um, they've shown some up-and-down um, play this year, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, what Omaha team we get traveling to like you said, a place we haven't always played our best ball. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. And, you know, with the travel against Denver, Denver's had some, you know, up and down swings this year. Like you said, they just played um, – or, sorry, Omaha played them close. But they just played UN, or NDSU, lost 87 to uh, 69, um, and then, you know, killed UND 93 to 74. So uh, just, you know, a couple up and down games there. They, they're beating bad teams in the Summit League, but they're, you know, not sticking with the top-tier teams. So – 
Um, I'm, I'm pretty interested to see how it goes, how the travel affects the team. It's the first time we'll probably, I guess we'll see it one more time this year, but the, you know, short trip travel from a road to home. Um, it'll just be interesting to see how the bodies react for all the players. Denver obviously going to have to be coming from uh, Vermillion to, um, to Brookings, a little bit less travel for them than SCSU is dealing with. But um, overall, it'll be just it'll be interesting to see how they go. And um, it'll be fun to see if, you know, how SCSU handles kind of that, I don't want to call it adversity, but a little bit of adversity with the travel schedule. So um, I, I do think it'll be fun, though. Yeah, and it's the first time, you know, in like three weeks now that they've played the regular yeah. Thursday, Saturday games. So it's, you know, just something they haven't uh, had to deal with, with, you know, if they have to play extended minutes Thursday night, you know, I don't necessarily anticipate that, but, you know, if Omaha brings it and they have a close game, then they got to come and play Denver um, mm -hmm. Saturday, you know, quick turnaround. Um, you know, the, most of the summit league has been doing that, but just how the schedule worked out with some cancellations and stuff, SSU hasn't had to do that. So that's something else, you know, they're maybe not a little used to, but overall, you know, they, they should be able to come in and take care of business um, for both of these teams. Uh, it's two of the bottom tier teams in the summit. So you expect them to win these games, but you definitely can't overlook them or, you know, come out flat footed because uh, these teams do, you know, they have some talent. They, they can win games. They've both won games in the summit league season already. So, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of in-depth analysis. They don't have any like premier playmakers on either team that can really take over a game, but when they play good team ball, you know, they're, they can be a tough out. No, I agree. It's like you said, kind of expect to win both games. Uh, you, you really go into it expecting to be two and oh, uh, this week and then six and oh, overall in the season, if you want to be considered the top dog, you kind of have to do that. I, I got on Western. I know earlier in the year for, you know, playing both these games kind of close, uh, when people are trying to consider them as one of the top tier teams. So for you, for SDSU, you know, it's just one of those games where one of those weeks where you just go out there, get two wins, you know, maybe give your starters a little bit of, you know, a break. Obviously they're not playing a super deep bench. Um, you know, they don't have a ton available, but good, good guys like, uh, you know, Gentry and Winget out there, uh, Fegan, get them some minutes. Um, hopefully, you know, towards the end of those games. So it does alleviate some of the stress on the body, you know, travel wise and all that. So, just overall a good weekend for SCSU to go out and get two wins and uh, get ready for next week, I think. But, um, you know, you never know. That's why they play the games. So I'm, you know, just excited to see what, like I said, what happens this week and uh, what we'll be talking about next week. Um, yeah, and if, if you look at the in offensive output, um, you know, from these teams so far this year, so this is not just conference play, but taking into account everything on the year, SCSU is averaging 87 points a game, Denver at 68 and Omaha at 66, those are the two bottom teams in the summit. So, you know, if SJSU shoots the ball that they, how they normally do, get the looks they want, you know, they, they should be in pretty good shape for these yep. ones. But, you know, we still have to watch them. They still have to come out and play, and uh, that's what makes it exciting. But uh, that's kind of all I had on these, these matchups for the most part. No, same here. That's kind of all I had to, you know, add to those. And I think with that being said, uh, it'll be a perfect transition into our conversation with uh, Luke Apple. And welcome back. Here's our conversation with Luke Apple. Luke, thanks for joining us on the podcast. How's it going tonight? Oh, I'm doing well. We just uh, had a nice team dinner at the country club. So it's been a great night so far. Glad to join. 
No, perfect. Thanks for coming on. And, um, you know, we always like to start these interviews out by asking uh, the guys that come on, I guess, what brought them to SDSU. And, uh, you know, you obviously have the unique journey to SDSU. I guess what brought you to Kirkwood and then, you know, the Kirkwood to SDSU pipeline? So Kirkwood was just, um, it was up between Kirkwood and uh, Marshalltown Community College. And I'm from Marshalltown, so it was really hard. Um, I grew up going to a lot of their games because my brother played there. But my brother sat down and said, if you want to win a national championship, you're going to have to go to Kirkwood. So that's what got me there. And I was planning on taking the JUCO route because I wanted to go to Division One, and I didn't have any offers. So I ended up going there and playing with Doug and Pete as my head coach. Um, and that was just the best experience. Um, I loved both of my years there. Um, got one Division One offer to NDSU. Um, didn't feel right. Um, and then... The second year I had multiple offers and with Doug being here and coach Pete as well, it just felt like home. So there's no other, it was just the right decision to make. Yeah, definitely. And uh, glad to hear you didn't choose to go to NDSU. Uh, <laughs> I think you made the right choice there. Um, but obviously, you know, Doug was there, coach Pete uh, was going there um, or maybe it already been there. I can't remember for sure, but uh, was that kind of the driving factor of you coming to Brookings or, you know, was there anything else or, um, um, I knew what it was made that really, decision easy. It was a really good program. I like. I didn't want to lose. Um, in high school, we lost a lot of games, and then going to Kirkwood, we really never lost. So I knew we were going to win games here. So it was just like, uh, and I knew the team was young, and it'd be a challenge to play. And that's what it, I really knew we were just going to be really good. So it was just couldn't pass it up. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, this year, uh, it seems like you've definitely been a lot more comfortable on the court uh, compared to last year. Not that you weren't you know, that comfortable last year, but it seems like you've really kind of flourished uh, coming off the bench, especially on the offensive end. What do you think the biggest difference is in your game uh, this year compared to last year? Um, really just like understanding the speed of the game a little bit, if that makes sense, just being more comfortable to, I'd say just a comfortability within the offense and knowing what they want me to do, what I need to do for my team to get them shots as well. And then just, the chemistry and just being with the guys. And then I've gotten stronger and um, a little more in shape. So that helps a lot too. No, and uh, kind of speaking of last year, uh, obviously, you know, Frost Arena is a big selling point for, you know, a lot of recruits, um, just like the winning atmosphere, like you brought up there. But I guess what's been the difference this year with, uh, you know, crowds really coming back into the, the arenas. And then I guess um, how we kind of a follow up to that as well as how weird was it playing in Sioux Falls at the Pentagon? you know, a couple times with absolutely nobody, you know, in it for like the Summit League tournament. So the thing for me was like some Juco games, there was no one there as well. <laughs> it was, it was, I mean, it was weird because there's supposed to be a lot of people there, but I was kind of used to it. Like not a ton of people, our home games at Kirkwood, we had a lot of people there, but like some away games, there'd be like 10 people in the stands. So it was kind of similar, but, and so it wasn't a huge difference for me. I think it helped me a little bit just because, like, the nervousness part of playing Division One basketball, like, eased me into that, I feel like. But Frost is just an amazing place with the fans. I mean, you get on a run, you feel like you can't lose. It's just – just gets – I don't know. It's hard to describe. And then I, I took my uh, visit here when they played South Dakota, and that game was pretty much sold out too, and that was the – game Doug I think got hurt but he was playing great and it was just really cool to see him out there and I was like that'd be fun to be together again one thing uh, I know we had a question on me and Jake were talking a little bit um, 
before the podcast is the lefty lineup. Uh, I know we asked this, I think, to, to Baylor last year, uh, but uh, how much, you know, in practice do you guys uh, maybe get after the righties on the team or uh, when you guys are all on the court together, what's that like when, you know, you could have four guys on the court all left-handed? Well, with Jalen now too. Oh, yeah, true. Could have Jalen. Jalen's left-handed. Me, Baylor, Alex, and Davo. It could be five. We really haven't had that lineup all out there at the same time, but that would be crazy. Um, we force people left all the time, so it's really in practice. They're forcing us to our strong hand, which doesn't happen a lot to other teams. So, I mean, it's 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 an advantage in practice for sure. But um, it is fun having a lot of left-handed guys. Like, you never – I've never played with so many left-handed dudes, and they're all – everyone Everyone on our team can shoot the ball. So, like, some practices, it's just like a shooting clinic. It's um, it's unbelievable. We just kind of throw it out to them and see how many threes they can make. Gotcha. And uh, I want to actually touch on that quick. Um, you've, you've now been stepping out a couple times and uh, shooting some threes this year. Is that something that you developed in the offseason, or is that something you've always had in the uh, – you know, in the back? Well, it's really just a comfortability thing, like just working within the offense. Um, at Kirkwood, I think my sophomore year, I hit like 20-some threes. So it's not like I've never shot them. Um, my whole life, I've always shot them. It's just like in my role I had last year, I didn't feel like that was a big thing. And it's still not a huge thing this year just because of how many guys that we have that can make threes. It's almost like I want to just throw the extra one just because we have so many good shooters on our team. Oh, for sure. And, um, you know, last year, the Summit League, we uh, people debuted the nickname for Max Aceves as Half Court Max. Uh, we saw a couple of weeks ago you uh, kind of publicly debut the Mr. Off Night for Charlie. Is that something of your creation? Um, is that a team creation? And then what's some other good nicknames maybe we don't know about on the team right now? Um, Mr. Off Night for Charlie, uh, they call Davion Mitchell Mr. Off Night just because he's really good at defense. So I was just like, that's kind of been Charlie's role. So I was just like, ah, we just got to give it to him at some point. <laughs> and then we really don't have many nicknames, to be completely honest. Um, maybe we should work on that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the task coming out of this interview. You got you to get some <laughs> nicknames for the guys. Um, you know, when, I, when you guys were down um, this summer, uh, I heard you and Charlie over talk – or. Uh, you guys were talking a lot about uh, your golf battles you guys were having up in Brookings. So my question is who thinks they're the best on the team at golf? And then who's actually the best on the team? That's tough. because I mean, I probably think I am. And I think I am. I think everyone would agree, <laughs> but Charlie got me a few times. I mean, golf's like, like golf's just a super hard game. And, you know, just sometimes you lose them lose a shot or two, but we go to the par three a lot, the par three course here in Brookings, and that kind of levels the playing field a little bit. So Charlie's really good at the par three course, but we get a, we get about 10 of us out there just having a good time on the par three course, and that we usually team up, play a little scramble and stuff, so you never know who can win that. Uh, Figs is really good as well. He'll surprise you, and then Baylor, Baylor's also pretty good at golf. So Charlie, is there anyone uh, with a bad enough swing that they just refuse to get out there? <laughs> he, he Jalen, Doug are pretty bad, <laughs> but they have, they've never golfed in their, like their whole life. They've never golfed, but we've gotten them out there a few times. We actually had a, 
like a team golfing thing where everyone had to play. So that was fun too. And my team ended up getting second, second place. Yeah, I think we lost by one. That was tough, but we had to take it on the chin. The coaches are some pretty good players too. I think Coach Pete's a pretty good golfer. Coach Clink's a really good golfer. So level it out a little bit. Um, speaking of, you know, who's better than who had some things here, I guess we've seen two pretty good crossovers in uh, uh, some ga games here with Baylor and with Doug. Uh, from your side, from your your angle, who had the better crossover uh, moment there? Gosh, that's tough. I feel like they're both just phenomenal. Like, that is just unbelievable. But I, I'd almost have to go – I don't want to pick. They're going to hate me if I pick one. <laughs> well, Baylor's my roommate, so I can't I can't not take him. But the Doug, Doug's was crazy, the dunk, and he was just right in front of our bench, so it was perfect. Yeah. Like, and my, me and Noah's first instinct were just to point at him. It was just insane. I couldn't believe it, honestly. <laughs> well, that was going to be part of my follow-up here is uh, the Baylor one. You kind of got some crap on Twitter about maybe just kind of walk it off and kind of keep it a cool. But then the NDSU one, it was, you know, like you pointed out, you and Noah doing the pointing. What uh, was there a reason for the different reaction, or was it just kind of one of those in the moment things there uh, for both? Well, I was just like, I was just so shocked. Like, I just saw it. <laughs> I, I, like, we weren't getting to the play we wanted to run, and I was just like, oh, God, we're going to overtime here. And then it just went through the net, and everyone just took off running. I would have been so far behind. I was like, I don't, I honestly don't know. I was just standing there and I waited to give them a high five. So <laughs> I was just in shock, I think. Well, uh, I think that's all the questions we had for you, um, Luke. So appreciate you guys, you know, you coming on and uh, good luck with your upcoming games. And, you know, it's it's been an exciting season to watch so far with the, the Jacks men and it's going to get even more more exciting uh, down the stretch, I think. Yeah, thank you. It should be really fun. Got a good one coming up right here on Saturday. And that was our conversation with Luke. Uh, again, thanks to Luke for joining us this week. I had a great conversation with him there uh, last week before the USD matchups and just a lot of good insight from him about, um, you know, kind of his journey to SDSU and kind of some inside the team uh, banter there. So a lot of fun uh, chatting with him this week. But with that being said, we will dive into our uh, women's matchups. Obviously not a great week for the SDSU women, only having the one game and uh, losing on the road to the USD women. Uh, I don't know if it came as a major shock that they lost the game. I think the way the, the game went was kind of a shock for everybody. Uh, obviously losing 65 to 42. Uh, no one scoring the double digits for SDSU. I guess, Cody, um, you know, I have a few thoughts on, I think, where it kind of got away from SDSU early, but what are some of your initial takeaways from the game? No, first quarter, it was a, a very good game. It goes tied 20 to 20 at the end of the first quarter. Um, but then, over the next two quarters of play, Jackson only scored 10 points. And, you know, it's not like defensively they were playing that bad. They only gave up. Um, quick math here, 32 points in those two quarters, the second and third. But yeah. 10 points in two quarters, you just – you're not going to get wins. Um, and, you know, for a team that came into this game with all of their starters averaging over double digits in conference play, to not have everyone – to not have anyone exceed that, um, you know, they just – they didn't execute on the offensive end like they needed to, especially if you're down in USD. That's a tough enough environment to play in. 
uh, you, you got to be able to execute. You know, I think defensively, it was a good good um, fight from them, but offensively, you have to be able to to make shots and, and put some more pressure on the Coyotes. But, you know, hopefully this is just round one, and we hopefully have two more of these, and, you know, uh, this could be the least important of the three, hopefully. <laughs> no, for sure. And kind of the way we've talked about it, I do think, obviously, the regular season games matter for seeding in the tournament. But the way it's shaping out, you kind of expect both teams to be the one and two seeds. Um, and the matchup that matters is a championship. Um, from what kind of when I was watching and kind of from what AJ was saying in some of his press conferences this week and uh, meetings that you kind of hear about, the foul trouble is really what gave him issues. Uh, SCSU got an early foul trouble with, uh, you know, their bigs guarding Sherbin. Obviously a tough, tough matchup. Kind of the same thing you said that about the men's refing. It was kind of weird. A lot of calls that were, you know, ticky-tacky at times, kind of ruined the flow early. But like AJ said, they took some guys, some girls out of the game early, and there were some points where they probably could have brought up, brought them back in, but they didn't want to risk the, you know, getting the third foul in the second quarter. And that's really just what they never got in flow, got back in the flow. Then once the uh, starters all came out in the second half, um, and I do believe he was talking about second chance points for uh, USD. They had like thirty some uh, second chance points or something like that. Uh, just, they had a ton of offensive rebounds. Uh, and just that's they only had 12 offensive rebounds. I think it was like 20 some points in the first half came from second chance points. So kind of where they got away from them. And, you know, that does come from, you know, your center, like Peyton having to be out of the game. You know, Maya's clearly not still at hundred percent with the shoulder. We're in the brace, but um, yeah, you know, only nine points from uh, Tori Nelson is a leading score. Kind of disappointing when you just look at the team as a whole uh, scoring Paige Meyer. Uh, she got out to a hot start. And then kind of cooled off, you know, two of seven total on the game. Never really got back in the flow, like we kind of said. Um, they kind of expected her to step up when everyone else got in foul trouble. Just wasn't able to with some of the, you know, rotations she was involved with. But, you know, overall, um, game probably in the long run isn't going to matter. Uh, it's all going to come down to what happens in Sioux Falls as long as they can match up again in the championship. But uh, obviously just a disappointing game. And uh, one, you kind of want to just throw the tape away and, uh, bring back, you know, uh, get back to work this week with a couple more matchups. Yeah, it seems like, you know, USD was definitely the, the clear-cut better team uh, this time around. But mm -hmm. we've also kind of expected that how in how the season has gone up to this point. Um, and the SSU is going to get them back at home in Frost, uh, which is, you know, the great thing about this rivalry is you got two awesome venues, you know, for these teams to play in. And SDC is going to get their chance to get them back. Um, and it's kind of nice that they, you know, only had this one game. Uh, it, it, you know, wasn't a, a losing streak uh, in terms of like, you know, losing, getting swept in the week. It's just one game, easy to move on from hopefully. And, you know, they'll get some good chances coming up. And just going back to one of the things you said about, you know, the second chance points, uh, my coach in high school always told me one of the key or not me, but one of the key things for our team was always win the easy bucket war. Um, if you, if you do that, you generally can win the game. Well, if you look at the second chance points for USD um, combined with their points off turnovers, they had 39 points. And if you did that for SDSU, they had 17. So mm -hmm. that's kind of the difference in the game right there. Uh, you know, if you're losing by 20 points when it comes to second chance points and points off turnovers, it's hard to win the game. 
no, for sure. Um, and I know AJ said you didn't think defensively they were all the way locked in. Um, just a lot of things that, you know, energy-wise, being on the road uh, against a team that, you know, you got to bring out all the energy for, getting in that foul trouble early. Just none of it really added up to a, you know, positive game for them. And, uh, you know, they obviously got, got their first loss in, you know, over a year. So, uh, some of the league loss in over a year uh, during the regular season. So, um, disappointing game. But like you said, another matchup in Frost in a month. So, uh, excited to see that when that one rolls around. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, we can kind of roll into the last time, you know, FCSU lost to a Summit League team before. Uh, they're going up against Omaha this week on the road and Denver. Obviously, Omaha is the team that eliminated FCSU from the tournament last year in the first round. Uh, a lot of the similar players coming back for the Mavericks. Obviously, SDSU has Maya Sellen in the game that, who didn't play in the last one. Um, kind of like on the same side with the men, Omaha and Denver, both kind of bottom tier teams in the conference. Um, right now, kind of fighting for that last spot. Denver 0 and 5, Omaha 2 and 4. So, I guess, Cody, what's some of your outlooks for this week's matchups? You know, it is a true kind of road weekend for them, having to play both of these games on the road. You know, you do have to go out to the altitude in Denver on the second night, which, you know, I don't, we've had this talk on the podcast before. I don't think it's a huge issue, but, you know, maybe if they have a kind of a dogfight of a game with Omaha, could be a little more tired coming into that game against Denver. So you got to deal with that. Um, but like, you know, on the men's side, these are two of the kind of more bottom teams of the conference. You can't overlook them, but they're teams that you need to beat if you're going to win the conference and be in position to you know win the conference tournament. Uh, they're kind of different in how they play. Uh, Denver's a, been a pretty solid offensive team this year. They're scoring uh, you know third in the conference, but defensively they're you know the worst in the conference in terms of how many points are given up a game um, by you know four or five points. So uh, you know Denver is a little bit more of an offensive focused team, playing a little faster paced, whereas Omaha. Um, their offense is the worst in the conference, but their defense is fourth. And so, um, you know, if you if you get into a game where you're not shooting that well, where the Jacks have, you know, had some struggle with that at times this year, um, you know, Omaha might be able to to sneak out a win, uh, especially down in Omaha. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And like Omaha, like we said, um, beat SCSU last year in the tournament, kind of a surprising uh, upset there. And then obviously made it all the way to the championship. So a team you can't overlook. Obviously they've shown they can uh, compete, but and a lot of those players are coming back. But yeah, they you just can't let them get going. Uh, obviously being on the road, uh, being a double header, you kind of expect some fans to be there. Um, maybe not like a you know poorly attended game, but um, yeah, you just gotta go out. You gotta do take care of business if you want to show you're still top tier team. Go out there, you know, win the game comfortably. Uh, go to Denver, win that game comfortably, and come back to Brookings with, uh, you know, a 2 and all weekend and uh, kind of forget that USD game. But uh, you just can't let that USD loss, uh, you know, spiral into a bad couple games here um, against, like you said, the volunteer teams in the conference. Yeah, and just going into the matchups a little more specifically, Omaha does have um, some size in terms of, uh, kind of where their points come from. Mariah Murdy, who played really well in the tournament against the Jacks last year. She's kind of a, a wing four position player. And then Elena Pilakuda is a big five for Omaha. Um, so Jacks are going to have to be able to defend in the post without fouling. That'll be, you know, 
something to, to key on and hopefully they can do that better than they did against USD. And then um, for Denver, they do have a player that, you know, has the ability to kind of take over a game. Uh, Uju Izudu is, I think, how you say it. Um, but she's averaging 17 points a game and has been to the free throw line by far the most in the conference, 25 more times than Hannah Shervin. She's been there 83 times. So, you know, got to limit her. Um, and so I think the key for the Jacks this weekend is, you know, to be able to play in the post without fouling, something that, you know, is definitely going to be a point of emphasis after their last game. No, for sure. And, yeah, just stay out of foul trouble, um, play solid defense, get back to that defensive energy uh, that we saw maybe back in, like, even the UCLA game. Um, I know that's the last time I heard AJ really rave about how locked in they were defensively. So maybe a weekend against USD um, where they did, weren't locked in and they kind of got – they got got it handed to them. Maybe that's what it took for them to, you know, wake back up defensively and lock in for the rest of the year. So, you know, we'll see how that works out and uh, how these kind of matchups go. Um, but we'll kind of roll into some of the matchups here uh, for this com- upcoming week. Uh, from this, I guess, excuse me, from the past week, uh, a lot of action, uh, including Monday night. Uh, there's game- some makeup games, the first round of makeups for the Summit League. Uh, but we go back to Thursday. Oral Roberts and St. Thomas matched up. Uh, Oral Roberts won 81 to 66. Uh, nothing really surprising there. Omaha beat UND 98 to 82. Like we mentioned earlier, and Western Illinois and UMKC were canceled. Um, I guess the only thing I have to you know mention there is you know Omaha shows offensively they can really break out if they if you let them. UND obviously not a team that's playing great. They're also coming off of COVID, so. Um, there's really no major takeaways from Thursday's action for me. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add from that other than maybe Oral Roberts showed, you know, St. Thomas, who was on a hot streak, kind of like there is still tears uh, that you haven't caught up to yet. Yeah, I think, you know, um, for the men's side on Thursday night, that's kind of the, the big takeaway is that, yeah, Oral Roberts still kind of clearly separated from the rest of the conference and in that tier with uh, SDSU. No, for sure. And, I'll kind of go through Saturday and Mondays because there's a lot of games to go through here quick. Uh, but NDSU and Omaha matched up. NDSU won by four, 71 to 67. Or Roberts beat Western Illinois by one, 87-86. Uh, Denver and UND played. Denver won 93 to 74 over UND. And then the St. Thomas KC game was also canceled. Uh, but then going into Monday, uh, we saw Omaha beat or get beat by UMKC 64 to 61. Um, USD beat UND 75 to 68 and uh, NDSU beat Denver 87 to 69. And again, those were the uh, first rematch or makeup games that we saw scheduled, I guess, in those two days worth of games. Um, anything surprise you? I guess the Western game only coming down to one point uh, was kind of surprising to me. Omaha was staying within four of NDSU. Uh, obviously some close games there, but Anything you really took away from those men's matchups? Uh, not too much. I think kind of as expected, um, maybe just some closer games than, than expected, but uh, mm-hmm. nothing too crazy. You know, UMKC finally getting back to playing. They haven't played in what felt like forever. Um, so, you know, good to see them back uh, with some games, but, you know, nothing too shocking, you know, other than maybe that, oral Western Illinois game and how close that was, but you do have to go play in Macomb, hard to bring your own energy there. Um, so kind of maybe can understand uh, why that was only one point game. And I guess one thing maybe worth 
I again, the COVID rules are, you know, confusing for everyone, but UMKC must have made it out of protocol on Sunday because they didn't play Thursday or Saturday, but played Monday. Um, so it was kind of interesting there. Kind of we're seeing the protocols in action. Um, and then I think they're the only team that got a win after coming off protocols um, for their first game. So, um, like you said, good to see him back in action. It's been a while for him. But uh, just, you know, kind of weird how they had the gap where they didn't play. Then they did play on Monday. So, um, you know, hopefully it doesn't run through STSU's locker room. But, you know, you never know um, with this new strand and everything what's going to happen. Um, but I guess we can kind of go through the, the women's sides here. Quick. And one last point, yeah. too, just on the, the COVID stuff. It is – we didn't really ever talk about it, I think, but it is nice to see that the Summit League has moved to trying to reschedule these games. They're not mm-hmm. guaranteed that they're going to play them all, but yep. um, it does just – it makes it so much more fair uh, when it comes to seeding and the end of the year that, you know, we're attempting to play all these games because, you know, last year certain teams just didn't have to play certain other teams and, you know – there's clearly a difference in uh, the skill level of these teams from the top of the conference to the bottom. And so if you can play almost everyone uh, or at least try to, I think that's definitely the way to go about it. So good on the summit league for, for doing that. No, for sure. And if you haven't listened yet, uh, the reach of the summit podcast interviewed uh, Christian Fenton, I believe is how you say his last name um, on this week on last week's episode. Um, and he talked about how he's kind of like in a special advisor's role right now because he hasn't officially stepped in, uh, but he was pushing for those rematches or those games to get rescheduled because there is, with seeding and all that, there is some, you know, competitive advantages to, you know, come down to the last week of the season. Um, if your team had COVID issues, uh, you know, there is an advantage maybe that you didn't play six games or, you know, you had these breaks or whatever. So um, it does eliminate a lot of the people that are afraid of, you know, the quote-unquote uh, ducking. Because uh, last year, I know that kind of ran through some some media stuff where people were talking about certain teams trying not to play other teams. But, you know, this year, uh, they're obviously going to try to reschedule everything. And it's good to see them being proactive opposed to reactive. So um, good on the Summit League, like you said, and uh, definitely worth bringing up there. And with that being said, on the men's side, we're going to dive right into the women's side here. Uh, really only four games to talk about, uh, a lot of COVID cancellations. Uh, we start with Omaha at UND, uh, UND winning 71 to 57 and NDSU beating Denver 74 to 68 um, on Saturday. Uh, the, the only other games other than the South Dakota two uh, were Omaha at NDSU, Omaha beating NDSU 68 to 54, UND winning 80 to 75 over Denver. Really the only surprise I think there is Omaha beating uh, NDSU on Saturday. Uh, Cody, anything else really surprise you there? No, I think that's uh, hits the nail on the head. You know, NDSU is maybe not quite taking the jump. Some people thought they might this year uh, based on, you know, how they were last year. They just kind of seem to be kind of steady um, compared to where they were last year, even though, you know, they're returning quite a bit. But other than that, nothing too shocking. Nope, same. Um, and, you know, on Twitter, we've been tweeting out all of our uh, picks other than Monday, of course, our best day um, total. So obviously, no one going to believe us, but we did go five and one. Um, each of us losing a different game, um, but you know we, uh, we as a group we've improved uh, throughout the season. 
Cody's sitting at 12, 20, 12, and two. I'm at 16, 16, and two. Uh, so obviously Cody doing a little bit better than me right now, but we will be catching up here. Um, we will be tweeting out again this week uh, picks uh, on the day of the games, probably Thursday and Saturday. Uh, and then Monday next week, once we actually get the picks or the lines, and everything. So those obviously right now with COVID aren't coming out more than, you know, maybe 12 to 24 hours in advance. So we will be getting those picks and the lines back out to you once we do have them in. Um, but yeah, really not much to add there other than, again, we're maybe finally had our first good week. And we have the text receipts of us texting each other what the picks are. If anyone's really clamoring for them, we can, we can provide the timestamps, but uh, yeah, good to see us both, both back in the uh, 50% and above. So we're going to hopefully stay there the rest of the year. Exactly. Um, you know, that being said, we're going to wrap up this week's uh, episode. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, potentially some pretty big news coming out uh, this next week. Uh, don't have all the, you know, I's dotted, T's crossed yet. So we will be, you know, probably tweeting something out this week, if not announcing it next week on the podcast. We'll definitely talk about it more on the podcast next week. Um, yeah, just be on the lookout for, like I said, some news coming up. So. Um, it's kind of an exciting time here, uh, but you know. With that being said, we will be wrapping up this week's episode. Uh, like we said, follow us on Twitter at Rabbit Rundown. Like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Uh, but we will be back next week with some uh, more STSU basketball talk.